I am John 15 verses 1 to 6. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Thank you to Ian and Wyatt for reading our scriptures. If you've got a Bible, please do turn to John chapter 15. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Jesus says, I am the true vine. What does that mean? You see the context of Jesus Christ here is as we looked last week, he's in the upper room. Jesus is in the, the upper room with his disciples having the last supper. And last week, Jesus, we learned, said, I am the way. I am the truth, I am the life. I am the way, he's the only way we can get to the Father. He's the truth. There are so many worldviews out there today. He's the only truth that we need to be grounded in. And he's the life, we get life through Christ. And then Jesus has a nice meal with his disciples and then they go for a walk. They go for a walk in the city. They take off. And as Jesus is walking around the city, he says to his disciples, I am the vine. My wife, she comes from a city called Valencia in Spain. And as you walk through the city of Valencia, you'll see orange trees all over. Now you wouldn't want to eat them, but they're there everywhere. Every street you go to the library, there's orange trees. You go to the, the local coffee shop, there's orange trees. You go shopping all lying down the city are orange trees everywhere. And it's lovely, lovely city to go to. But as Jesus uh, is walking through the town, the city of, of Jerusalem, it would have been very similar, but not oranges, but not even pumpkins. Apparently they're a vine, but grapes. You would have seen grapes littered all over the city. If anyone's ever been to Israel, Back in Jesus' time and today, the city is lined with grape vines. And it's familiar. You would have seen them around and it would have been a familiar thing for them to see. But not only would it have been familiar because of the visible, actual grapes, but it would have been visible and it would have been meaningful that Jesus says, I am the vine for another reason. You see, the, um, the Israelites, the people of God, would have resonated with the vine. Jesus said, I'm the true vine because Israel themselves, that was their identity. They would have associated themselves with the vine. And so in Jesus contrasting himself to the vine, he's actually saying, he's actually contrasting himself with the, the, the nation of Israel. The Bible speaks of Israel being a vine planted and tended by God. Psalm 80, 
verse 8 to 9 says, I brought a vine out of Egypt. So the people are in slavery in Egypt and God brings them out. Remember, we looked at the Passover a few weeks ago. God brings them out of Egypt and he says, we drove out the nations and you planted the vine, you planted the people in the promised land and it took root and it filled the land. And so the people of Israel associated themselves as a vine. They were to be fruitful. They were to be the representatives of God in this promised land. They were to, to plant their roots and to be to, to flourish, to be an example of what God wanted the people to do in that land, to be God's witnesses to the other nations around them. And over time, that vine became synonymous with the, the, uh, the Israelites. For example, there's a door, there's a lintel. If you go to Israel, you'll see pictures of uh, clusters of grapes and vines littered all over the place. There's a, there's a stone lintel over someone's house there, and you'll see there's a picture of a cluster of grapes over their, their door. Or, for example, you see it on coins. Here's a picture of a coin uh, many, many years ago, thousands of years ago, one of the first coins of Israel during the time of the Maccabeans. And you can see on the coin is a, is a vine. Or if you look at a more modern coin, this was the first coin of the official state of Israel. And on there is a, it's a vine. That's right. It's not hard. It's a vine. It's there. And so the vine would have been very important for the people of Israel. The image, though, that stands out amongst all of the other images would have been to the door of the temple of God. The, the temple door would have been ginormous. Uh, this a, a picture, you know, unfortunately, the, the temple doesn't exist anymore. It was destroyed by the Romans, uh, AD 70. Uh, but we see someone's a really fancy modern drawing there that I found on Google. Um, and this is a picture uh, showing how big the door would have been to the temple. There's some of the priests. And adorned over the door would have been a giant grape vine. Uh, for various Josephus, a Roman historian, details how big this vine would have been. The Roman historian commented that a cluster of grapes would have been the size of a, of a person. And so if you're walking past the temple, if you're walking through the door, you would have been greeted by this ginormous grape vine. And as Jesus and his disciples are walking to the Kidron Valley during the weekend of his arrest and his crucifixion, as he's heading towards the Garden of Gethsemane, I imagine Jesus Christ walking past the temple and he stops with his disciples and he says, do you see that big grape vine? Jesus said to the disciples, I tell you, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to, I'm going to die for you, for your sins. And I'm going to go, but don't worry because I'm going to come back for you. 
And when I come back, I'm going to provide the Holy Spirit to live in you. So don't worry. And he says, I am the true vine. Not Israel, but I am. And Jesus says to his disciples, as he's walking past, I imagine, he said, abide in me. John 15 verse 4. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. My Bible says remain, but the NIV says they remain in me. But the, the message says live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. Uh, the English Standard Version says abide in me and I in you. So your Bible has different ways of explaining what he means. I, one John, John the author of John wrote the book One John. And there's the same word in One John chapter 2. Verse 28, he used the word abide. Now children, stay. The message says stay in Christ. Or the, uh, we don't see that there. I think that's the end of it. Remain in fellowship with Christ. And the English standard version, abide. So the same word, abide, remain, live, stay. Jesus says this to his disciples. And Jesse is going to share what that means for us later on this morning. What does that mean for us? Jesus says, I am the vine. But what does that mean for us today in 2023? That's actually an excellent segue for me, so thank you for that. Um, in a world where we care a lot about self, we talk about independence, we talk about yourself being number one, um, it turns out that we're not actually as autonomous as we might have imagined. Sorry guys, you're not going to be able to see me over there. Um, the demand for autonomy has led to an epidemic of loneliness, of despair, increased depression, a decline in mental health. Um, but it's because we weren't created to be self-sufficient. We weren't created to be on our own. We were created to be in community. We are created to live connected to those around us, but also to God. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The call is to remain. And like Simon said, we see that translated in a bunch of different ways. To stay, to live, to live in union, to remain. Jesus is to be as much a part of our lives and our daily lives as it is to be living in our own bodies. Um, it's, when we're talking to him, it's going to be talking to a best friend. When we're getting feedback, it's like getting feedback from your favorite coach that even though it might sting a little, you know they're not trying to hurt you, they're trying to improve your game. Um, that's how Jesus approaches it. I also love that Jesus really drives the point home uh, by using the negative. So he says, yes, remain in me, you will bear much fruit. But he also says, apart from me, you can do nothing. All our work, our volunteering, our good deeds, even our spiritual drive, if that's not rooted in him, if he's not the, the source of our life, they mean nothing. They just, they're, they're not sustainable. They're not going to last. This is my kid's blueberry plant. And before anyone corrects me that blueberries are a plant, not a vine, 
just work with me for the imagery here. Um, so they've been taking care of this for a while, and actually just yesterday they got to reap the benefits and enjoy the blueberries for their snack. <gasps> the important part is gone. Okay, well, we're missing part of it. A little branch a while ago got knocked off. And Ryder, our pretend three-year-old, had said, but mom, there's still a little blueberry on it. There's still a little leaf, it's okay. I guess what's gonna happen to it? I said, well, why don't we leave it for a bit and see? And I was gonna show you what happened, uh, but it's hiding under other leaves in there. Um, the whole end of the branch turned black. The little blueberry that was on there was dried out and black. The little leaves that were on there dried out and black. Ultimately, when that little branch was not attached to the blueberry plant, it led to death. It's just like flowers that my kids pick for me. They're very fun, but their beauty doesn't last. It's not sustainable. When they're pulled up from their root, when they're pulled up from their life source, they don't last. There's many things that we as believers are called to do. And if we are remaining in him, we're going to experience life to the fullest. We're going to experience the life that only he can give. Because his life is flowing through us, and so we can be fruitful. And so all the other things that we do as believers, when we're serving, when we're singing, when we're helping with jump starts, shameless plug, um, all those things depend on it. They depend on his life flowing through us. And the fruit that we produce is, is going to vary in roles as God's called us to it. In Romans 12, 6 to 8, we read, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. These are examples of gifts, but they're also fruit. They're fruit that we're going to be able to um, produce because we are abiding in him. And God wants to use that fruit. Another type of fruit we read about in Galatians 5, 23, which we've recently gone over. Anyone know what I'm referring to there? Fruit of the Spirit. What are some of the fruits of the Spirit? Or fruit of the Spirit. Someone went right through them all. It was excellent. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are things that are going to produce an abundance when we are, we are abiding in him. But if we fail to remain in Christ, if we fail to stay, to abide, Jesus tells us that we're like broken off branches. Broken off branches that are going to wither and fade and produce no fruit. This is from the same tree that the grapes that Simon had is from. And actually, now as we leave this, this is no longer abiding in the vine. It will also turn to this, even though there was good fruit. We need to abide. We need to remain in Jesus. But what else does a plant or a vine or a tree need? What are these? It needs pruning. Because as we're pruning, as we're taking care of our plants, we're able to see more fruit. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. 
And so we know that we can trust them. That God is going to prune. He's going to take his shears to us. And this isn't, this pruning isn't as punishment. It's not to take joy from us. It's that we can see an abundance of fruit. You see, if I leave all these extra branches, I'm not going to have as many blueberries. On a grapevine, if you're leaving it and you're letting them scatter, you're not going to have as many grapes. You're not going to get those big, juicy clumps of grapes if you're not pruning. So the father, the gardener, is going to prune. And it's important then that we're going to embrace that rather than resist it. And some areas are going to be obvious. Maybe it's sexual immorality, pornography, lying, um, drunkenness, substance use. Those, I think we can all agree, are fairly obvious ones to point out. There's others that are going to be a little more um, challenging to discern, like unhealthy relationships. Maybe your identity is wrapped up in your work or your recreational activities. Uh, your looks, your weight, any area of your life where you're struggling to fully surrender it to the Lord. And some of what gets pruned are going to be attitudes or activities that just aren't compatible with the disciple's life. Sorry, I feel like I'm ignoring you guys over there. Um, but not all things that get pruned are inherently wrong. Some things are actually good, and we have to let them go. For example, I, as you guys know, I recently have resigned here at New Life. And it's not that the work that I was doing was wrong. It wasn't a bad thing. It was good. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, but it needed to be pruned in my life so that there could be more fruit in other areas. And so sometimes we need to let the Father do that. And we need to embrace it. Because all these things, everything in our life, will eventually face the Father's shears so that we get maximum fruitfulness. So then how do we do it? How do we stay connected? Um, you know, you, you look at your life, okay, you have your work life, your family life, recreational life, emotional life, spiritual life. Wait. How do we separate our spiritual life from everything else? How do we go to work and think that we're one person and our spiritual life is just over here? How do we hang out with our family and think our spiritual life is just over here? Our spiritual life needs to be what's feeding everything else. When I work with my family, when I go to my job at the hospital, when I'm volunteering, my spiritual life needs to be just as much a part of that, and the drive needs to be from that. Our spiritual life needs to be consistent through every aspect of our life, including how we spend our time and our money. And one way Jesus mentions that we can do this is with spending time with him. So are we spending time in the word? Are we reading? Are we seeking to follow the instruction that he lays out for us and that he guides us in? Are we praying? Spending time with him, asking him questions, listening for his answers. Are we surrounding ourselves with other believers? Do we have friends that will keep us accountable? Do we have friends that we can pray with? Not just to have a good time, but do we sit down and pray with each other? We need to be a part of an active, an active part of a local community of believers. Obviously, I see you guys are all here this morning, and that's wonderful. Does what you believe here in these seats translate to what walks out the door? Are you involved? Do you care about others that are in the room? How do we live and walk together? 
And maybe that's going to be in our house churches, in other small groups, in volunteering. There are lots of ways to get involved, but I do challenge you, if you come here on a Sunday morning and don't think about God the rest of the week, come and chat with any of us on staff, anyone out there sitting in the room. Let's get connected and work together. We are meant to live in community. And then there's an advantage. John 15, 7 says about remaining in him. Um, Jesus says, if we remain in him and his word remains in us, we can ask for anything and it will be done. This might seem like a bit of a blank check, um, but here's the thing. If I am genuinely remaining in him and his word is in me, then what I want is going to be aligned with what he wants. My heart for others, my heart for my life is going to be aligned with what he wants and with his heart. And we can trust that then God is going to grant that because we are following him and his work and it is all for his glory. So if we're abiding or remaining in him, we sung earlier of uh, perfect submission, what needs to change? What needs to be pruned? How can we be connected with others? Do we believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Because if we do, if we actually believe that he is the bread of life, that he's the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection, the way, the truth, the life, and the vine, our lives have to be transformed and we have to be living that out in every aspect of our life. If Jesus is who he says he is, and I believe he is, we would be foolish to not remain in him, to relinquish all our rights and to surrender everything for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. Jesus, we thank you that you are the true vine and that we can trust you, that we know that you are our source of life. Father, as much as we want to do things that glorify you, um, we pray that we are doing those things through you, that it's because we are connected to you and seeking after your heart, that it's because we are abiding and remaining in you. Father, help us to go out and to continue to love others. Um, in a way that's through your love, a way that only you can provide because we are connected to you, the true vine. Amen.